So we were pitching to a lot of potential partners and one of them that we pitched to just ended up really loving everything. So he made us a very generous offer, an offer that we couldn't refuse. Katie Richardson is the inventor of the Pudge Tub, an easy-to-use malleable infant bathtub that was featured on the Ellen DeGeneres Show and the Rachel Ray Show, and is now sold in 2,000 stores around the world. After selling her company, Pudge, in a multi-million dollar deal, she turned her attention to entrepreneurs who have a strong need to thrive at work, in their personal life, and in their spiritual journey. But becoming the authority on this complex triangle of needs wasn't a straight path. There was a lot of taking, making decisions and taking action on it out of faith and, right. and just not even knowing where or how I'm going to land. And I will tell you, there were certain decisions that I made and I didn't love where I landed. In this interview, I asked Katie to bring her fairy tale down to earth for us. What did it take to make her vision a reality? What were the ups, the downs, and the internal battles she had to win in order to make it in the business and coaching world? And how does she translate all those teachings into lessons for her coaching clients? Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault, available only to our TGP insiders. In the full version, Katie shares more details about her growing up as the fourth of six kids, the steps she took to become an inventor at an early age, and how she carved a path for herself as a patent holder and stake holder in her sold business and so much more. These are the details that we don't want you to miss. So we put them all inside our uncut vault. Become a TGP insider today and get the full story at theglobalphenomenon.com slash insider. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, while you're trying to figure out what everyone in the online coaching world is doing to get ahead, join us inside the Facebook group and just ask them. We have an amazing group of coaches supporting one another, sharing best practices and their wins. And we want you in our circle. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook or click on the link in the show notes and I'll welcome you with open arms inside our free online community. And please head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's our interview with the product maven turned business coach, Katie Richardson. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career that has taken the world by storm, creating multiple self-made millionaires and opening the doors for regular folks like you and me to achieve our wildest dreams. Hi, my name is Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach for online coaches ready to live a rich, passionate, and abundant life without regrets. And I'm on a mission to uncover the secret sauce that made the top coaches in our industry rise to global phenomenon status so that you can be next. Today's episode begins now. Hi, Katie Richardson. I am so excited to be talking to you today. How are you doing today? Ina, I am so excited to be here. I'm doing amazing. There's beautiful sunshine streaming into my room. I'm living here in Puerto Rico and really excited to share some profound insights for people. Oh man, I was going to be asking you about that. We're going to, we're going to 
go to that part when we get to that part because I want to ask you about this move to Puerto Rico because it seems to be a, a big trend right now. We're seeing a lot of hmm. coaches moving to Puerto Rico. Um, John Lee Dumas is your neighbor. He's right? my neighbor. <laughs> right. So I want to talk about that in a little bit. But first, um, why don't you tell everyone who do you help right now and what do you yeah. help them do right now? So I'm an executive business coach and I help people create alignment. Why does that matter? Because oftentimes as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, there's a lot of complexity, right? You've got everything going on in your business and that includes your team, your products, your services, your clients and customers. So there's a lot of complexity there. And then you add on top of that, that you are married and you have a spouse and a relationship with a spouse. And then maybe you even have kids. And so there's more complexity and maybe you're a man or woman of God. And so you're trying to develop and deepen your relationship with God. And when you try and cram all of those things into one life and one person, it's not easy to understand how to accomplish all of those things. And I have a process for creating alignment, which allows you like, as you work on your business, it deepens your relationship with your spouse. As you work on your business, it provides opportunities for you to go do incredible things with your kids. And it, it helps you partner with God and God becomes a part of your business. So ultimately alignment helps you accomplish all of those things in a way where you're happy, fulfilled and at peace. I want to hear all about how you got to, in fact, that is one of my big questions here is how did you get to your niche? Because you did not start mm -hmm. in coaching, but, no. be, but before we even get there, can you tell us a little bit of where you came from? Where did you grow up? What was your yeah. younger life like? Yeah. So I grew up the fourth of six kids. And when I was three, my mom had twins. And so from a really young age, I was almost by default, extended a lot of independence. And luckily I was not necessarily mischievous. And in fact, from a really young age, I was just curious about the world and life. And like, as a young child, I would watch Mr. Rogers. And my favorite segment was when he would go into the factories and he would show how things were made. Like I was really curious how things are made, how they go together, why we use that material and not this one. And that curiosity led me to a um, major in college where I majored in product design. Like I was just really curious about how things are made and, and why they're designed the way that they are. And I, I learned in school, I learned and developed this skill creating, right? Taking something that is maybe just an idea in our head. How do you actually turn it into a viable product that is marketable, sellable, and actually genuinely improves people's lives? And so I learned that process in school. And then as a young mother, I took that skill set and I said, how about creating a brand and putting my own products out into the world, which might sound crazy, but I did. And then I developed a brand and manufactured and patented my own products in this brand. Grew that company for 10 years as I was having my kids. We have four kids now. And, and then exited that company six years ago. And now I'm uh, an executive business coach. But to your point, that was not where I was headed, right? right? Like I just, I started out as this young girl who was curious about the world and who really liked to make things. Why did I like to make things? Because I like to solve problems. Like I really love that look on somebody's face when you relieved some sort of pain or pressure or stress. And I just loved solving problems. And so I've done it in the product world. And now I do it today with my coaches or with my CEOs in my coaching. 
What was your relationship with your parents like back then? It was fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I didn't have any animosity or anger towards them or feel like something was missing, but I would have these moments. Like I was a really happy girl. I was, and I, I was really curious, like I said, and so I was always actively making something or doing something, playing in the yard, cutting up fabric and sewing something from a really young age. And, you know, I was very obedient too. So like, if my parents asked me to do something, I did it without question, I kept my room really clean. I was really helpful around the house. And, um, you know, what was my relationship like with them? I felt like they knew what was best. They made the rules and it was my job to follow them. And it's, it's great for like a seven-year-old, but what's interesting is as I grew up and got married and started having kids, making my own decisions for myself was actually really hard for me because mm -hmm. I'd been taught and programmed from a really young age to just do what I was told. And I was really good at that. And right. so like getting to that point where it was like, well, what do you want, Katie? I'm like, I don't know. Somebody else tell me what to do because I know how to do that. But making decisions for what I want in my life was actually really hard for me. Yeah. I actually ended up going to a corporate career because I grew up just seeing my corporate yeah. parents just be successful. And that's that was the only way to live. And I would call myself an amazing executor. Like, yeah. don't make me have to make decisions or to be creative, being creative. That's, that's not a thing. That's not how I identify myself, but tell me what you want me to do and I will do it. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm very curious to know where did your, your path take you? You went to school yeah. for product design, right? I, it's interesting that you said like you understood how to do what you were told. And that's why corporate was very interesting to you. And, and I definitely embodied a lot of that personality And I did love creating, but the way that I framed creation was that was Katie's little hobby. And it wasn't a value to anybody. It was certainly not a value to the world. My school didn't value Katie, Katie's ability to create. School wanted to know, how are you going to perform on the test? School wanted to know my reading comprehension. School wanted to know my math skills. School didn't care about Katie's ability to create and problem solve and innovate. And so even when I was in college, my first couple of years, I was taking my general eds and I very quickly started to feel really disoriented because I watched as all of my friend, friends chose a major. And I looked to my three older siblings who all chose the same major, by the way, which was English. And I'm like, heck no, I do not want to be an English major. And so I was two years into school and really lost, honestly. And I had this little bit of an identity crisis because I felt like a good for nothing. I'm here at university. I'm doing fine in my classes. I've done all my general eds. I'm supposed to pick a major and I don't want to do any of these things. <laughs> like I hate this. And I, what I like, when I got really honest with myself, I wanted to be a furniture designer. Yeah. And now I'm at the edge of my seat. How did you go from <laughs> I am totally lost. I just finished my genets and I have no yeah, idea. That's true. I know that it's not English. How did yeah. you land on what you decided to do? I was taking classes where I was in the wood shop and I was building things in the wood shop. Mm -hmm. And I was specifically, I was building this massive dresser. It was like five feet tall. It had six drawers and it was, it was really complex. And I designed the whole thing and I was building it from scratch. Like I was squaring the boards. I don't know if that means anything to you, but like I was taking raw wood and squaring it to build this. Yeah. And one of the counselors, mm -hmm. she, she pulled me into her office one day. Her name was Beverly. And she was like, Hey, 
what are you doing? Like, I've noticed that you're not a tech ed major like everybody else here. So I'm just curious, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know, Beverly, I need help. And I, I told her, I was like, I want to be an industrial designer and I want to design furniture. And she said, let me call the head professor and get you an appointment with him. So she calls him, he answers. And like within five minutes, I'm in his office and we're talking. And the cool thing is, I really feel like God always has our back. And, and like, I was able to get into the program through the back door and it like sped me to the front of the line. And so I'm sitting there talking to John Marshall, who's the head of the program. I haven't filled out an application. I haven't taken any of the prerequisites. And he just starts asking me questions and he loved, he loved my answers. And I was just being honest with him. I'm like, I like to draw. I like to make things with my hands. I like to build. And I like to build the things that I can imagine, not what somebody else tells me to do. And I was like being honest with him. And he was like, he slams his hand on the table. And he's like, sounds great, Katie, let's get you into the program. And he walks me out to the secretary. This is Katie Craig. We're going to put her into the industrial design program. I was like, wait, what just happened? And I just got thrown in without the prerequisites, without filling out the application. Yeah. And it was that moment of really being honest with myself and being placed in front of the right people at the right time. Right. It's almost like in, in Billy Elliot, when they just see the raw passion is like, how could we not <laughs> start to nurture this? Okay. Yes. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit because you did end up uh, creating a company, right? Yeah. Um, called Pudge. Um, and <laughs> yeah. you... I mean, you had a, a product, the Pudge Tub, that you designed, you and your husband actually went and designed and put together. It was featured yeah. on Ellen, on Rachel Ray. Yes. This was like the latest thing. So I'm fast forwarding through your product experience, but I want everybody yeah. to know what a big deal this was. So I'm just going to give you like one tiny opportunity because we're going to jump into coaching, okay? I want you to tell us what that what that time of your life was like when you look back at how big Pudge became and what a big yeah. deal it was and where it was getting featured. What do you remember from that time? So, Ina, I had like in the beginning, I had zero intention of building a big business or being a businesswoman. In fact, I was running away from those things in a lot of ways. What I did want to know and understand was what is the potential that God has placed inside of me and how can I become that woman that he created me to be. That is what I was really curious about. And there were many times along the way, as you mentioned, I built a significant business. I ended up building a significant business. And it was because I was asking questions along the way that were orienting me towards self-development self and becoming this woman that God had created me to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really wanted to understand how really early on I saw how this business was like relentless and it wanted all of my sleep. It wanted, <laughs> including when my kids were napping, it wanted all of my energy. It wanted everything out of me, all of my money, right? It was, it was this hungry monster that just wanted everything. Mm -hmm. And I started to see how, if I kept giving it everything that I had, then I had nothing left for my husband. I had nothing left for my kids. And I, I saw how potentially it could destroy my marriage. It could destroy my relationship with my kids and it could certainly destroy my relationship with God and me, my health. Yeah. And it terrified me. And so really early on, I was kind of scared because my business did take off and it took off really fast. Yeah. And, and I asked a question in that moment, which was like, I actually don't just want a successful business. I want a successful business. I want an incredibly strong marriage. I want a deep and profound relationship with my kids and with God. 
And I want to feel energized and excited in life. Like I want to have the health to do all those things. So it was like a lot of things that I wanted. And I think what helped me in that moment is as I asked that question, it felt like it was all impossible. God kind of put a new question in my mind because I thought that meant I needed the right business model, right? The, the, the right strategy and that that was going to help me do it. And God helped me see that it's not about the business. It's not about the brand. It's not about the products. It's about you, Katie. And it's about you becoming that woman I created you to be. So that is the key is you becoming the woman who's capable of navigating the complexity of all of these things. And so really early on, it was really about designing and creating me first and foremost. And then from there, designing and creating the brand, the products, the business strategy, the marketing, it stemmed from me becoming the woman I needed to, in order to navigate all of this complexity. You did end up selling Pudge in 2017. Yes. What was that decision like? You just gave us a little bit of a view on what you were feeling and and where this was leading you to, but I'd love a little bit of insight on the actual decision-making. Was it a slam dunk, like I just need to sell and start over or like, what were the other factors? Tell me what that, what that process of deciding to sell it was like. So keep in mind really early on, we understood that in order for the, a company to even be sellable at one point, you have to build it with enterprise value. And so that meant we were creating a brand that was trademarked. We were creating products that were patented. And there, like by doing that, there was ownership of, of things that had value. We were creating distribution channels, both in the US and internationally. And, you know, we were creating a brand that was meaningful to people Mm -hmm. and, and that had value. So we had built it and designed it to be able to be exited someday, but keep in mind that day came way sooner than either one of us were expecting. So at first it was kind of shocking and not necessarily what I wanted right then. And in fact, the whole reason we started having the conversation with the gentleman who ended up acquiring the company was because we were looking for partners. We saw Mm -hmm. how retail was shifting and that meant our business model needed to shift. And so we wanted to start creating what we were calling Pudge University, where Mm -hmm. we were teaching people how to be the kind of parent that they want to be, right? It doesn't just happen. You have to be really intentional. And so it was like courses and programs and communities. And keep in mind, this was, you know, like 2015, 2016, that we were starting to develop these things. And we've always been pioneers in our family. And so like when we were sharing this with uh, people, they thought they were like, what are you talking about? Like my number one customer is Target. So like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, but someday your number one customer is not going to be Target. And pretty soon that huge distribution channel is going to start to shrink. And, And like at that point, it's too late. And so we were like, we were looking into the future and we saw that there was an opportunity to Uh, expand our business model. Yeah. And so we were looking for a strategic partner and we were looking for the right person to go in this direction. And uh, as we were, so we were pitching to a lot of potential partners and uh, one of them that we pitched to just ended up really loving 
everything. <laughs> he was like, I love you guys. I've watched you come into the space and dominate and to get so much media and attention almost effortlessly. And so, yes, I want to be a partner and I just want more of the company. And so he made us a very generous offer, mm -hmm. an offer that, you know, as we really thought about it and discussed it, an offer that we couldn't refuse. And it was an opportunity to um, fulfill some things inside of Pudge and then also make a shift and personally move into this new world of coaching and teaching and educating people in a way that the old education system was, was not helping people. Did you guys consider all of the other options, like staying on as employees, selling it completely outright? Like what yeah. it, it was, this just like the sweetheart deal that it's like, you know what, <laughs> uh, let's just do it. To your point, every deal is unique, right? And everything's right. negotiable. And so, you know, when somebody says they exited their company, I love that you know that that means a thousand different things and right. that there's all kinds of potential. And, you know, making each of those decisions, I will say was one of the most difficult moments of my life yeah. because you sacrificed, you built, you, you know, you put yourself out there. You made so many decisions. You created something out of thin air yeah. and that's not easy. And so to exit that can be really scary and terrifying and it's not reversible, right? You're making decisions right. that are irreversible. And yet it was my first time doing an exit. I'd never done it before. So it doesn't matter how many people you talk to and advice you get at the end of the day, it comes down to you and what you want. And so making those decisions was really difficult because we were, we were stepping into the darkness every time. And it wasn't just me. It was me and my husband, like we had co-created this and built it together. And so sometimes I wanted something that he didn't necessarily love or vice versa. And there were times when we would have to kind of lean on the other. In fact, he didn't even want to have the conversation about selling the company. He wasn't ready to do it. And I said, hold on a second. We're making baby products. Our youngest is almost going to turn five. Like I'm just not in the baby world anymore. And I think there is an opportunity for us to shift our career and maybe pivot and take everything that we've learned and, and now package it up in a new way. And so I was excited about that. There was certainly a lot of unknown, but there was a lot of prayer, Ina. There was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of taking this, making decisions and taking action on it out of faith right. and, and just not even knowing where or how I'm going to land. And I will tell you, there were certain decisions that I made and I didn't love where I landed and mm -hmm. I course corrected. And that's the thing I think people always need to understand is you've got to make decisions and move and you won't be perfect at it, but keep in mind, nobody's perfect. And, and life will teach you kind of the direction that you want or need to go. And so even though I quote made the wrong decision sometimes in, in certain aspects, by making that wrong decision, it gave me clarity to where I did want to go. Right. Cause I'd kind of gone in a direction that ultimately I didn't want to go. And that gave me the clarity for where I did want to go. Yeah. So it's important to make decisions to move and then course correct. That's the game. It's not about making perfect decisions. Nobody can make perfect decisions, but it's about understanding how and when to course correct and giving yourself that grace to course correct. Admit, you know what? I made this decision three months ago from that vantage point. And now that I've moved forward, this is not where I want to be. And I'm going to course correct. I'm going to throw a few situations Okay. that happened in your life around this time and then just need you to order them chronologically for me like what came first okay. and what came after okay. um i'm gonna throw a few at you the move to puerto rico okay selling pudge 
Okay. But university and your own mentoring business. Yeah. Like I am here thinking these all things happen in the same day or uh-huh. it took like a year from one to the last one. Like what was the order of events of those four things? Yeah. Like I mentioned, I'm an incredible product designer and especially me and my husband together. It's it's really amazing the products and the innovation that we were able to do together. Mm-hmm. And I like, as I put my products out there into the world, I would get emails from young moms saying, and I remember this one from Finland specifically. She was a first time mom. She was terrified to bathe her baby. And then somebody, somebody gifted her a pudge tub And for the first time she was able to relax and actually enjoy that bathing time with her child and Mm -hmm. really bond with her infant and feel confident as a mother. And so that was the first time I got to experience, you know, through this physical product, it was almost like the product was the Dumbo feather and it gave Mm -hmm. mom confidence to be a mother as her first time doing it. And like, that was amazing. And so I, I had this connection with somebody on the other side of the world that I'd never met through a product that I had created. And it felt incredible inside. Like it was meaningful to me, Ina. And I was like, I want more of that. I want a lot more of that. Like, I want to like, yes, I can create incredible products. Can you see I'm like getting emotional? I want, I want that deep, profound experience with people. And so, so at first as I was in my physical products company, it was like, well, what would that look like? That's when it started to look like Pudge University. Mm -hmm. So I started developing that on paper. So that was the first thing. As I developed that on paper and I started to pursue it, I was seeking out experts. I was getting coaches. I was trying to better understand what would that look like to create courses and programs. And I was, I was, I was learning those things. But then when we sold the company and, you know, kind of shared this next phase and next season of the company, um, but like, that's not necessarily what my partner wanted to do. And I certainly didn't want to stick around. I made the decision that I wanted to move. So then, so then the next thing that happened was selling the company. And I started to realize, okay, maybe mentorship and and teaching people and coaching them isn't going to happen inside of Pudge, but that doesn't mean it can't exist someplace else. So Mm -hmm. I took that desire and I was like, cool, what would it look like outside of Pudge? And what are my skills and abilities that I've developed over the last 10 years? How what, how can I take those and get people results? And so that's when I started to see that, oh, it's inside of coaching and business coaching. And we won't go into this, but I immediately had opposition to that. It was like, well, who do you, yeah, yeah, you built a successful big company, but who are you to think that you can help somebody else do that? Yeah. And so I had to overcome all of that opposition. So we sell Pudge and that's when I like hung up my shingle as a business coach. And I had to face my own personal opposition and doubts and fears. And I like walked through the fire and every day I had to choose to keep walking through the fire. It was difficult. It was uncomfortable. It was painful. I felt like I was not qualified and yet I was, I was getting my clients results. So then the mentorship is what came out of that. And, you know, Katie Richardson, LLC, and I'm an executive business coach. Those were hard things for me to say in the beginning, but I just kept saying, I kept choosing it. And then ultimately 18 months ago, my husband and I, we like would have these quarterly meetings. And then we started looking at Puerto Rico and we just kept talking about it and nothing was happening. It was driving me crazy. And so one day I said to my husband, I think you need to go. We need you to go and do one thing. And that is to be in Puerto Rico and ask and answer the question, 
is this the right move for all six of us? Within 24 hours of being here, he calls me and he says, absolutely, 100%, yes, this is the right move for our whole family. Wow. I said, do you mean that? And he said, yes. I said, okay, just so you know, we're going to hang up and I'm putting this into action because we've been talking about this and nothing's happening. So I'm putting it into action, which means when we hang up, I am buying six one-way tickets to Puerto Rico. They leave in two weeks. Now we just need to find a place to live. And it was like, giddy up. Um, I am really curious. I'm actually going to go back to the creation of the uh, mentoring and coaching business. Um, what niche did you settle in for? And we've talked about it a little bit. I just wanted to like, like yeah. bring it home with me. Like, what do you consider to be your niche? Like, who's your ideal client? And mm -hmm. why did you settle on that one out of all of the things you could have chosen to mentor on? Yeah, yeah. So my niche is CEOs and entrepreneurs, right? Founders who've created a business and value, who want to grow their company, who value their relationship with their spouse and kids, and that matters to them, and who want a deeper relationship with God. It's that trifecta, those three things. Oftentimes, an entrepreneur can say, I need to grow my business. And they think it's outside of those other two things. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I show you how to grow your business in a way that it deepens your relationship and deepens your connection with God. So that's, that's different, right? It's very different. Right. And so those are my clients and customers. They want to know how to create that alignment where they are building a business that is impactful and meaningful to them. And it does deepen their relationship with their spouse and kids. And it does deepen their relationship with God. That's my client and customer. What was your, what was your criteria for choosing that versus, Hey, I help, um, product creators bring their products to market. Like what, yeah. what was that decision process? How did you land on this particular niche? Well, see, it took me a while. It took trial and error to land on that niche. And I think it's important to understand that I didn't know that right out of the gate. And in fact, I did head in the direction of product designers and like people with a physical product. And I knew my worth and value and I knew what I wanted to charge. And that business owner didn't have the cash flow to afford my services mm -hmm. and a story. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to finally admit that, but it was like, okay. And I even took myself back. Would I have hired this high-end coach as I was in that place and had that need? And it was like, no. I wasn't in the place where I was ready to hire that person. That's not to say that's not possible, but that was right. my experience really early on. And I was like, who do I really, really want to help and touch? And what I did is I had to go back in my own personal story. And what's kind of that profound moment that was foundational to me experiencing success in my business and life. And it was realizing that it was that question that I was asking, how do I build a successful business that also deepens my relationships and helps me feel more connected to God? Yeah. And it was that combination and that trifecta that helped me kind of see what was so unique about me and how I build businesses. Mm -hmm. And, and it was so meaningful to me. And I think that's really important. There were certainly things I could go and do, but they weren't really meaningful to me. Yeah. And I wanted something, I wanted a business and conversations that were going to be fulfilling, that yeah. were going to be energizing and be meaningful to me. Yeah. And that's and where I found meaning was at that intersection. I can really tell that this this really means a lot to you. Like yeah. that trifecta, like that, I can see that. I can like, that speaks to me. Um, so as we're winding down, there's something that I'm really curious about. What do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? 
this might be stereotypical and I've heard it from men. And I generally don't see the fact that I'm a woman. I saw that as an advantage when I was building my business. I did. I didn't think I was at a disadvantage because I was a woman. But what's interesting is I have had men say this to me. Don't take this the wrong way, Katie, but you built a baby company. So how can you help me in my $10 million company and my 20, 50, $100 million company? And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, you are totally missing the point. Mm -hmm. I created value out of nothing. I invented and patented products. I created distribution channels in the US and globally. I understood how to market my products in a way that I created over a million customers in the first five years with zero ad spend. Like, can we look at that? Like, that's what I created. Was, a pro was the product in the baby category? Yes, of course it was. Did I, did I understand like branding, global distribution, intellectual property, enterprise value? Yes. So I think that's the misconception. Like, oh, and, and sometimes people would call that like a mompreneur. I never used that word. Mm -hmm. I never saw myself that way. I don't have to qualify myself as a mom and an entrepreneur. Like I'm Katie. Right. And, and your yeah. success and your what you have accomplished has been undeniable. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that we got to dive into your story and see what makes you think and what made you you. And I so appreciated your being so open and generous with your time and with your mind. Um, I've absolutely loved this. Um, for everybody who's listening right now, who is a starting coach, and okay. they're still trying to figure out their niche and they're still trying to figure out their place in the world and trying to get over those blocks. What would be one thing that they could do in the next 24 hours? And we're giving them the mandate that whatever comes out mm -hmm. of your mouth, they have to do it. What yes. would that one thing be? Okay. People make the mistake, especially as you're just getting started. They think they have to identify their niche. They have to build a website. They have to create a sales page. They need to sign up for a merchant account. They need to get a um, email service and start building their list. All of that stuff in the end is a distraction. What you need is to be having conversations with people, specifically conversations where you help people both identify their pain, what it is they're not satisfied and happy with, and what it is that they want. Because so often people, like that second one, what do you want? People really struggle to articulate that. All they can sometimes say is, I don't know, I just can't handle what I currently have. And so if you can help them articulate and define what they want, then in the conversation, you can sell yourself to them and say, hey, cool. Well, I happen to know how to help you get there. And now that you have a destination that they want, it's a desire they already have. Then all you have to do is say, Hey, if I could help you get there, would you be interested in learning how I can help you? And it's like a no brainer. Like, so you don't, you don't have to have anything. You can have people Venmo or PayPal you in the beginning. You don't have to have that merchant account, but if you can have conversations where you help people identify what's their pain and what is it they truly want it becomes stupid easy to sell your coaching services. Because listen, at the end of the day, Ina, nobody wants a coach or even coaching services. They want that result. So if you can help them to define what that result and what that outcome is, you just have to get out of the way. It becomes really easy to sell your products and services. I feel like you have been listening to my podcast and you're just... <laughs> 
telling everybody what I keep saying all the time. I'm here like blowing up. Like, I can't believe you like take the words out of my mouth. This couldn't oh, have good. been more perfect. So yeah. everybody, you heard it. You heard it from Katie herself. Uh, no, Katie, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for being so open, so generous. Um, this has been delightful. Can you please tell everybody Yes. where they can find you, where they can reach you and what, yeah. what you have going yeah. on. Yeah. I actually have a podcast. It's called what's working now. So you can find me anywhere that you find podcasts, either Apple or Spotify or wherever else. And then I'm also active on Instagram and my handle is Katie, K-A-T-I-E dot live. I do, or at least I did in the past, a lot of live video and I'm all about being present, being now. And that's what live is really about. Katie dot live. Awesome. And send and me a gonna, DM. Like I love to hear from people and I do respond and answer them. We're going to put all those links in the show notes so everybody can go and click them. Thank you so much, Katie. You have been amazing. Thank you, Ina. It's been a pleasure. Really. Thank you. Hey there, Ina here. After listening to this interview, you may be wondering what you missed. What did our guests share with me that was so hot? I couldn't even put it in the mainstream version of this podcast. Become a TGP Insider today and get access to all of our uncut interviews, as well as access to the behind the scenes of my six-figure coaching business through my Instagram close friend stories. Head over to theglobalphenomenon.com insider or click on the link in the show notes for all the details. Details. And I'll see you inside our Facebook community for online coaches, where you can share what's going on in your business and connect with other amazing coaches in this space. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com Facebook or click on the link in the show notes. And I'll see you on the next one.